I'm Josie. I'm Alicia. And I'm Yasmin. And this is Dare We Say. Oh, I'm getting bundled up. I'm literally, I'm lighting my candle right now. <laughs> my, You know what candle I'm lighting, right? The one that you... Yes. Um, it's Boy Smells. Is no, it? no, it's not. It's the uh, Moroccan something. A Moroccan Amber from Ness. Oh, yes. But this is... Oh, I introduced you to that because I had that when I was filming a movie in Texas last year. And I was like obsessed with the smell. And I, when you come into my room, if you've been privileged, if you've been privileged enough to come into my bedroom, you smell Moroccan Amber. That's what you smell like. You smell musk. It's so good. What's the latest, Yazzie Woo? Okay, so I know this sounds like kind of, I'm like embarrassed to say this, but recently I like, I didn't wear deodorant this morning because usually like I, I do wear deodorant. And you always smell amazing. I, I always smell amazing. Like it, I literally shit and it smells good. But I, this morning woke up and like, I actually did not smell good. Like that's like, I'm, oh, I'm like smelling myself right now. And like, I shower every single day. I don't like, I keep it very, very groomed. Maybe you're going through puberty again. Maybe I am because it smells, and I'm like eating healthy too. So it's not like what I'm eating. I'm drinking a lot of water. I don't, and I, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, I just, my BO is honestly horrific right now. I wonder what it is. Something in the air. Do you remember when Jeffree Star's boyfriend got Botox in his armpit so that he wouldn't sweat? Yes. That's been stained. Of course I do. That's been stained on in my brain. I'm also on Jeffree Star's ex-boyfriend TikTok, not his TikTok, but the TikTok where people theorize where he went because he like kind of fell off the face of the earth. You, uh, see, consp- let's talk about conspiracy theories just for five seconds Please. because I love a conspiracy theory about like where someone is. Like I was on a TikTok where like apparently the FBI found Carol Baskin's husband in Costa Rica. Shut up. So she didn't kill wait, him. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Did they actually? Yeah, apparently they have like records of him literally being alive today in Costa Rica off the grid. Wait, so what did she say about him originally? Did she just say that he died or did she say that he... No, she was like, he just literally dipped. Okay, so this is... That was a year ago. Okay, wow, we're a year old to this news. No, but remember, like, I just want to take a second and like pay an homage to like the Tiger King era of 2020. Like that was like, I feel like every it had a grip on everyone's fucking neck. Wait, during this is literally the quote that she gave to a television show. She said, I don't know how it is that Homeland Security says he's alive and well in Costa Rica, but I'm glad to hear it. That doesn't sound like the words of someone who is happy their husband is alive. Also, I love that she's questioning Homeland Security. I mean, I guess I would too. Yeah, she's just like, honestly, glad to hear it. I hope he's great. I'm like, this woman, like that whole, that whole thing, that whole movie, the whole meaning or TV series makes me actually want to skin myself You know what's insane? The amount of people who said Tiger King is hot. Like literally one of my castmates, I'm pretty sure said that he was hot. I just feel like if you're like liking any of these, I don't know, if you go to zoos or like SeaWorld and all of that, like for like entertainment, you're fucking weird to me. Like if some, that's like a thing, like a couple of days ago, one of my cast members were like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to SeaWorld because I'm in San Diego right now. And I was like, why? Who the fuck would say, unless, why unless would you- you're four years old or a literal fucking maniac, you shouldn't be at SeaWorld. No, you shouldn't be at SeaWorld. What happened to Shamu? What happened to Shamu? Look at my Shamu. Oh my God. Look at my I Shamu. I Blackfish when I was like 12 and it. Such no. a good dog. It is. 
it is really good um but yeah don't fuck with animals don't fuck with cats isn't that a movie anyway what are we doing no that tv series that's a conspiracy thing well i think today we are talking about family traditions um the anxieties of the holidays the holidays are always very interesting for me because i every thanksgiving i have my mom's side of the family who is in massachusetts in the berkshires shout out williamstown that's giving giving gilmore girls it's giving Gilmore Girls, and I'm not going to lie to you, I'm living like my little fantasy of like being off the grid, but very much on the grid because, you know, I'm posting every second of my life on oh, social literally. media to show like I'm exactly. And so I'm just I'm going to be there. I'm excited to see my city, which means grandmother in Arabic. I'm excited to see my family members. A lot of them are very old. And it's it's <laughs> I say that and I know it's like sounds funny, but like, I don't know. I'm not trying to get deep and whatnot because that makes me want to vomit. But I I go to like my auntie Jeanette's house, my auntie Edna's house, not Edna mode, but, and I see on the fridge is like old baby photos of me. And like, they have like back, you know, when Clinton was president, like they have photos of Barack Obama on his inauguration day. And it's just like, I don't know. It really brings me to a place that like, it's very wholesome. And it makes me excited for the holidays to like be around my family. And that's a privilege. Am I nervous? Absolutely. But I'm excited. My, how are you feeling? My mom, yeah. I was on the phone with my mom the other day and I was talking to her about how like this season usually like kind of brings me lower just because like the winter and the weather and like whatever. And she literally was like, can you do me a favor? She said this dead seriously. She said, can you do me a favor and not be depressed when you come home? Because I really don't um, want that energy is what she said to um, me. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll work on it. So um, <laughs> imagine your mother being like, can you just shut the fuck up and not be sad? Literally, but you know, it's funny. I'm going to be here for Thanksgiving. So uh, Alicia is not going home for Thanksgiving. I am traveling to the East Coast for Thanksgiving. Josie, you are alone in a foreign country for th- this holiday season. How do you feel? I feel good. It's interesting because, I mean, Thanksgiving, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in mm. Scotland. <laughs> they do a Sunday roast here. Um I feel fine. I mean, it's like I miss my family. I miss my cousin, Natalia. Um, I miss the shout of her. And like, you know, when you just like you look forward to like that one cousin every year that you guys just like go off and like fuck around and do your own thing. Um, yes. Yeah. Kind of sad that we can't do that. Um, but I'm going to try to make the most of it. And the winter or the fall here is so beautiful. So I might just like play with a leaf or and lay in the grass. You should you should touch grass, honey. I would touch grass. You should go outside. How do you feel about it? At least, Lucia. I don't know. Like Thanksgiving, el Dia del Pavo for us is such a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I literally didn't grow up saying Thanksgiving. Like that would be el Dia de, de Gracia, but we would say the Day of the Turkey. Which, if you know anything about Latinos, your the main event is penil, which is pork. But anyways. Um, I don't know. It feels like sacrilegious that I won't be home for Thanksgiving. Uh, you weren't home last year. You were with me. I wasn't. Because you that broke is... your ankle. Yes, yes. That yeah. was that was a time. We had a nice Thanksgiving awful. together last year. We had a fr- we had a Friendsgiving last year. Do you remember? We had a potluck. Um, yes, you yes, didn't go to the Friendsgiving we... this year. I missed a Friendsgiving this year and you missed it too, right? I know. We're both on set. We're both fucking booked i love it y'all are booked and busy and blessed but i will say the friendsgiving that our best friend angelica threw was not a friendsgiving dinner that is what everybody thought that they were going to but it was fully a friendsgiving party um oh god and- of course if it's if you're, if you're going to Ange and jason's house you're having a party exactly Sorry. except like music blasting. sadly it's not a house it's an apartment and there was like over 70 <laughs> people there 
Also, the way that she Josie. said it was literally. <laughs> Alicia, stop. I can't. Josie, what did we talk about yesterday? I didn't mean it like that. I meant it because I wanted to be literally an apartment. No, no, no. That's not how I meant it. I didn't mean it like that. Okay, basically, <laughs> Ange was saying that her childhood best friend was there, but also the person who cast us in Moxie was there. Like, everyone was at this event, and it was insane and unhinged. Yeah, it was a very eclectic event. I've never gone to a Friendsgiving like that. So that was cool because um, it was like none of the weird vibes that I feel like sometimes you can feel going into Thanksgiving, but all the just like the joy and celebration and people brought different dishes from their culture, which was dope. But yeah, it, fun fact, not for what it stands for, like genocide and yes. like imperialism, but Thanksgiving is actually outside of that my favorite holiday because I love eating and I love being with family. So not being with my family will be new just because, you know, I've kind of created a home for myself here in L.A. But here's to like new beginnings and still having that tradition of like, I'm still going to try to make myself some Latino food, um, even if I'm across the pond. I think you touched on something really beautiful, Alicia. Um, it's the it's being thankful part that I think is really important yeah. um, about this holiday, because I, I the whole pilgrim and indigenous people like that's what they taught us in school of like they had a beautiful feast and he lived happily ever after is the biggest load of shit I've ever heard because it is a load of shit. Yeah. Um, what the what the colonizers did was um, rape, massacre and murder these um, indigenous people um, and then took their land. And here we are in America. But I do like the message of being thankful and being grateful. And I think that's why I think in this episode, why we're talking about the importance of the indigenous culture and indigenous people on this day. I also think we hear all the time people be like, oh, Thanksgiving, like, oh, it's bad. And no one really talks about why. I feel like it's always kind of like a... yeah. It's a touchy yeah. subject because like obviously the holiday means a lot to other people outside of its cultural reasoning. Um, yeah. So I think it's just important to like speak to someone, which is why today we have a really exciting, really important interview with Crystal Echo Hawk, an incredible indigenous activist. Stay tuned to listen to more and maybe learn a thing or two before you shove some turkey in that waddle and mouth of yours. That didn't make sense, but you know what I mean? Let's get into it. But first, some housekeeping. Crooked Coffee is all about making your life a little less chaotic. So we just launched three limited edition holiday boxes to make gift giving easy. You're welcome. Each box is filled with full-size bags of delicious, medium, and dark roast coffee, plus a fun activity that isn't scrolling through Twitter. Pick from three different boxes for three types of people. The extremely online box with witty magnetic poetry for your fridge, the craft lovers box with a learn to crochet kit inside, and the home baker box with the insta-famous apple cider donut kit from Farmsteady that's so popular it's almost always out of stock. Hey, you guys, don't forget to follow us at Dare We Say on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dare we say. If you don't, I'll never forgive you. We'll be right back. All right, everyone. Today's guest is a member of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma and the president and CEO, okay, boss, of Illuminative, an organization that fights for more and better Native representation, both in the media and in general. Simply, she's just an iconic Indigenous activist. Please welcome Crystal Echo Hawk. Hello. 
Hi. Thank How you are you doing? I'm I'm like pumped up after that introduction. Are you kidding? I'm just like you made my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so glad we are so happy to have you here, and we're so curious about your activism and everything you've done um, with Illuminative, your organization. What got you into this specific area of activism? You know, I think I was born into it, honestly. Um, you know, my family, I come from a long line of, of warriors, in, you know, as in our Pawnee tribe, um, starting with my great-great-grandfather, where we were, he was the one that our name comes from. Um, and, you know, and more recently, just, you know, from my my dad and my uncles and my aunties, I mean, they're all like fighting for Native rights. They're attorneys, they're politicians, they're organizers, they work in nonprofits. So ever since I was little, I just always grew up with all these incredible people around me to look up to and and really modern day warriors for our people in, in a lot of different ways. So I'm, I'm really blessed to stand on the shoulders of just not only members of my family, but I think I look out across... Indian country. And I'm constantly just, you know, inspired by so many different generations of activists, particularly women. Yeah. Talk, if you don't mind, talk a little bit more about Illuminative and how uh, that organization got started, but also what you guys do for people who might not be yeah. aware. No, definitely. You know, um, Illuminative, you know, is founded on something deeply personal. I also feel like it's the sort of least culmination right now of just, I think, 25 plus years of not only activism, you know, but really, I think it was, it was really sort of the, the combination of the personal and the political really coming together. And, you know, in terms of the professional and the political, you know, I had been, you know, organizer, fundraiser, working for Native nonprofits on a variety of different issues, usually around, you know, women, youth in particular, Native American youth and, and families and really, you know, supporting our rights, our voices. And I think it just reached a point kind of going back in 2014-ish, you know, I just really felt this level of frustration, right? I was advocating for children's health and it just, we were constantly invisible. We weren't even included in the the health statistics, right? Mm. Um, in this country. And it's just like everywhere I went, you know, it's like we were, it felt like we were invisible. Our kids were invisible. Um, we're not in the data, you know, and I just always, you know, still at that point, just still like, understanding like as we're out there advocating that we're just constantly referred to as like caricatures and nobody seems to really mm. be taking our issues very seriously and how many people were still asking me and colleagues all over like do you still live in a teepee and just asking like really inane kind of th things that it was just a conversation I was having with more and more like colleagues working across different issue areas tribal leaders young people just you know again it was like either we're invisible or we're like a caricature and right. um and so it was just really like, how do we change that? And it was that. And then it was really just at that moment that on a very personal level, you know, I'm the mom to just a really remarkable, you know, daughter um, who was really, you know, being bullied a lot in school because she had, you know, a, a traditional Dakota name. Um, and, you know, kids made fun of her, teachers made fun of her, her teachers wouldn't even call her in class. And, you know, anybody with a different name in this country has experienced that, right? If you're not right. like, you know, plain Jane, whatever, you know, English, then, you know, oftentimes our kids are really marginalized and othered. And I think, you yeah. know, just it really, you know, there was a lot of things taking a toll on her and, and seeing like, as that was really impacting her and then seeing like the school blamed us for her bullying because her dad and I gave her that name. Right. And it was our fault. And it was just constantly realizing like, you know, the challenges she was facing and me as her mother, we were always reduced to like, well, I must be an alcoholic or she must be homeless or we must, our family must be mm. this or that. And, 
it just even really affected the way we were accessing, you know, resources and supports. And, you know, our story is just one story that's like of so many other Native American youth and parents and families that have to put up with this BS, right? Um, and so I think it was really those things coming together that, um, you know, I've, I co I founded and co-led a project called the Reclaiming Native Truth Project. And it really examined, you know, what are the dominant narratives and perceptions that Americans have about Native peoples and institutions? Why, where do those come from, you know, and how do they right. affect the way we're treated? And what we found is that nearly 80% of the American public knows little to nothing about Native peoples. And depending on where mm. you live in this country, if you don't live in like proximity to a reservation or, or something like that, then a lot of pockets of the country aren't even sure if we exist anymore. And then research that had been going on by, you know, different amazing researchers around the country found that nearly 90% of schools don't teach about us past 1900 which means that generation after generation of Americans are literally wow. conditioned to think that we sort of fade to black in 1900. Yeah. And you kind of like maybe learned about wounded knee, the Lakota, which is why people always right. ask about teepees, because that's like the only frame of reference, because people didn't learn that there were more than 600 tribal nations in this country, all with their own languages and cultures. And we're all very different, right? You don't get taught that in school. And literally Americans are conditioned to think that we just don't exist in a contemporary context. And then when we mm. examined and looked at, well, what's going on in media and entertainment, we found that our representation in TV and film is less than 0.4%. And what little ekes through is like really toxic stereotypes, you know, we're drunks, we're savages. If you're a Native woman, you're probably being sexually assaulted, beaten, and probably don't even make it to the end of the film or the TV show. Um, and again, majority of that is all pre-1900. And so as we began to look around how problematic that was, we found that the only time that Americans really think they see us is when they see racist sports mascots and they see people in red face and turkey feathers mm. and doing the tomahawk chop. And what we found is between that erasure, right, and then these toxic stereotypes and representations that are not led by us, right, they're led by non-Native people, you know, making up ridiculous things, we found that really that that feels bias and racism against our people, and that particularly those, you know, racist sports mascots and representations like that, they actually cause psychological harm to our kids. So we were mm. able to map all of this, right, and really understand not only like here's the threat, invisibility, erasure is really affecting us and all of this toxic crap. So it really gave us a roadmap to like, we got to flip the script. We got to disrupt that invisibility. We have got to smash those toxic stereotypes and we have got to re-educate the American public not only about the history, but more importantly, who we are today. And we are resilient. We are here. We are much more than a problem to be solved or some damn, you know, stereotype. We are thriving. We are leading. We are leading on all kinds of issues. And so that's really the mission of Illuminative is to like build power for Native peoples and really amplify our voices, our stories, and our issues. And we really focus on that work, particularly in media, entertainment, but also in politics. And um, we just, you know, we're about a little over four years old. And, you know, it's just been really an amazing ride. You know, we've been a part of helping to change the Washington football team, you know, name back in 2020. We didn't do it alone. And we stood on the shoulders of 30 years of activism by, you know, people like Suzanne Harjo, who's just like the grandmother of the, the mascot, you know, movement. Um, to, to like helping to mobilize the native vote or, you know, really working in partnership with a lot of people to get Deb Holland, the first Native American Secretary of the Interior, you know, nominated and confirmed. So it's been it's been a, quite a ride. Going back to what you said about politics, um, 
ahead of the midterms, Illuminative did a lot to, for the get out to uh, vote work. What did that look like? And what do the midterm elections results say about the impact that has on your work and the indigenous people? Yeah, I mean, you know, we really invested a lot in that. I mean, the first thing we did with our partners, you know, at the Native Organizers Alliance and the RISE Research Center is we did the largest um, public opinion poll with Native peoples ahead of the election. We did it earlier in the year um, to really, you know, ask Native peoples, you know, what are what are the issues that you are most concerned about right now? Asking people if they're registered, you know, asking people what they did in the last election. And we found that over 80 percent of the people reported voting in 2020. It was like, I think it was like 84% and nearly, I think it was 79% said they were going to vote in the midterms. So we know that we had a highly, you know, energized electric and really a lot of them women voters, native women voters. Um, and we found that, you know, across the board, depending on gender, geography, all the age, actually there was like a pretty big consensus about what the top issues were. And it was climate change, uh, racism access to healthcare and the cost of living. And so really understanding, you know, that also understanding that, you know, our people don't increasingly don't trust the government. I mean, about 96% of our people don't trust not only federal, but state, local government. Um, I think there's a decreasing trust in, in media and institutions. And so, you know, the rise of misinformation, disinformation. Um, and then I think, like so many other people, I think everybody's just like really sick of the polarization and, and just the fighting and like the politicians. I mean, I think more and more people have been disenchanted with that. So we knew that we had to find really unique ways to get people to like lean in, right? Um, and we knew we went with like more edgier messaging in 2020. It was all about this is how we care for our community and all the things. And this is like, yo, this is how we got to show up this year. We cannot let them not count us. They, our voices need to be heard. So we really yeah. like lent into that. Um, and just wanting to make sure that we reminded people that when we turned out in 2020, we broke records and we had achieved historic representation in Congress and we got the first native cabinet secretary. So like really reminding people um, of that. And so really lent into that messaging and around those issues that were really resonating with voters um, we did a lot of like digital targeted ads. I think we reached over 5 million people. We also leaned into native comedy. Um, and we, and like our, I think one of the things that native people are really excited about is our like historic representation in TV and film with Reservation Dogs, Rutherford Falls, our first Native American shows, um, particularly Res Dogs. Everybody like loves, right? So Such we, a good show. So we partnered with them and like we got permission from FX and Reservation Dogs to do a whole poster around building native power featuring Willie Jack, who's like one of the most popular characters. And she is like a fierce, badass, sassy girl yeah. who's always dropping the F-bomb. And so we, you know, and she has this tagline where she says, you know, native power can't be tamed. Um, and so we did posters like that. Um, we really framed it around power building. We also worked with comedians like Dallas Goldtooth to do like radio ads on tribal radio stations and just try to lean into comedy and just different ways to get people energized. And so fast forward, the red wave did not show up. I mean, I can't go too partisan, mm. right? But I think it just really showed, um, you know, oftentimes pollsters don't know what they're talking about because I think everybody was surprised. Um, but I think Native voters really turned out. And what's really exciting is that for all the Native American candidates that were incumbents, um, nearly 84% won re-election. And we're still waiting on some, mm. some results to come in, but that could be as high as 90% re-election rate, which is wow. really, really exciting. Um, I think we have more than 210 Native 
people that were elected to all different levels of office. So, you know, I think that's more than a 17% increase. So, I mean, it's really exciting to see that Native people are understanding that one, voting is one way, not the only way we can build power, but we we need to have representation um, at all levels of government. But I think also understanding that these candidates, if they're not Native, they need to understand our issues because our voters really do pay attention to the records. And I think no party can take our people for granted. Oftentimes our people are very bipartisan. You know, they don't always vote certain party lines. And so I think it just, you know, politicians need to work harder, I think, to get our vote. Definitely. And we can see, too, you know, the power of of the vote and the power of not having that sort of red wave is amazing. Um, and 90% re-election is also incredible. I want to ask you, though, it's Native American Heritage Month, and we've been talking about the holiday season a lot, specifically with this episode um, and with Native American Heritage Day being the day after Thanksgiving. Some call Thanksgiving the National Day of Mourning to remember the natives killed, of course, by the colonizers. Wanted to ask you, like, what do these holidays bring up for you? And also, how should Americans reshape how they view the November holidays? Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, the entire month of November is Native American Heritage Month. So it's all month long. It's not just one day. Um, So everybody should be celebrating. Well, we should all celebrate all peoples, all the days, but, you know, indigenous peoples, you know, throughout this entire month. Um, Yeah. So I think there's just so many, you know, things to celebrate. I mean, it's been interesting because with the election, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. But, you know, I think it's really an opportunity for people to really learn so much about Indigenous people. There's so much stuff going on and really encourage people Follow us at Illuminative, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. But, you know, particularly if you go and look on our um, our Instagram, I mean, we're always putting out things about books and the latest TV shows and films and, you know, indigenous businesses that you can support. And just to really encourage that is like the biggest way, you know, is like we want you to connect. And there's like music, there's everything, there's fashion, there's so many things to connect with. And so... I think that's the one way where people can not only, you know, follow us, but start to really learn about other, you know, indigenous organizations and, you know, major things that are happening right now, just depending on, you know, what people are interested in. But, you know, for people who um, really care about climate and other kinds of things, I mean, indigenous organizations are leading, leading on these issues and Mm. really on the front lines of just so many of the biggest, you know, not only battles, but just really about just really innovation as well. Um, And there's just, like I said, there's so many cool things to watch um, on streaming services, you know, not only this month and other things, but again, really encourage people to watch Reservation Dogs, Rutherford Falls. Um, There's like, if you have kids, um, there is like an amazing show on Netflix right now called Spirit Rangers that's just been killing it. Um, Mm. Another great show called Molly of Denali. I mean, there's there's just so much stuff. So I think that's the way to like lean in and, and for really to like educate, follow Native, you know, Indigenous organizations, learn more. And then I think, you know, as we become to Thanksgiving, you know, look, Native Americans are not a monolith, right? So you can like talk to one member of my family, another one over here, and and everybody's got sort of a different opinion. Like some people are like, absolutely not. I will not celebrate Thanksgiving. You know, it's, it's all based on a myth. It's all propaganda that, you know, President Lincoln created right after the Civil War, this whole grandiose story, you know, and actually really when the pilgrims came, it was really violent, right? I mean, this was, 
This was colonial genocide. These were all the things that happened. It wasn't the nice thing that everybody learned about in in school. And again, it was just propaganda that came way after, you know, to try to unify the country after the Civil War. So, I mean, that's just the thing is we unpack American history. So much of it is propaganda and other things. But, you know, I think like, you know, so one, people should really, you know, and also you just Google the true history of Thanksgiving educate yourselves, educate your kids, educate your friends and family, right? Like why should we be embracing these kind of BS myths anymore when it's better to just understand the history? Two, I think like, look, I think it's amazing when friends and family can come together and share a meal, right? When there's nothing wrong, if we can come together in in good ways and, and we can think about giving thanks, right? And appreciating one another and appreciating where the food comes from. If people want to go and do that, no harm, no foul, just don't perpetuate the myths. Um, that, you know, and the right. stereotypes and things that have gone around that. You know, I think other things that people can do on that day, like if you're gathering with your friends and family, literally look up whose indigenous lands are you on? Because everywhere in the United States mm. is indigenous lands. And it's not only like, oh, whose land am I on? But like how many Native peoples are still living where I live in my state? Like learn about who Native peoples are right. today. And I think that's the problem with land acknowledgements. Like, oh, okay, we're going to just check that box and somebody lived here a long time ago. But it's like, how do you find out what's going on with contemporary Native people in your state, in your community? And I just think there's a lot of fun ways where people can really, you know, engage and learn in that. And I think the biggest thing is just to educate and really understand that, like, I think a lot of people don't understand that they inadvertently can kind of sometimes perpetuate negative stereotypes or like false myths, you know, myths about Native peoples. But I think this is, there's so, there's no excuse now. There are so many organizations out there, including Illuminative, that are really trying to make it yes. fun and easy and really just ways that people can get involved in and really support Indigenous peoples. A hundred percent. I think that's, Definitely. I think, I think you said it perfectly. And I also feel like, specifically on a day like Thanksgiving, like get with your family, like everyone chip in money and like donate, give back, like money helps. I think it's important to say that too. And like, it shouldn't only just be you and illuminative and different indigenous organizations leading the work. It has to be everyone collectively holding hands together to uplift and encourage and support you. So Crystal, I can't thank you enough for coming on here for, um, sharing your wisdom and sharing your time with us, because this is, we're grateful. We encourage everyone to look into Illuminative and everything Miss Crystal Echo Hawk <laughs> is doing. Um, we are we are so grateful for you, and you are someone we feel thankful for. Well, <laughs> for, for thank this you, time. and I'm thankful for you, ladies. You're badass, and this has just been a beautiful conversation, and I uh, just really appreciate it. Thank Amazing. you so much. Tell you about a hilarious podcast from your friends at Mythical, the people behind Good Mythical Morning. Stevie and friend from high school, Nagin, have reconnected after almost 15 years to bring you Best Friends Back All Right. Best Friends Back All Right explores the awkwardness of high school and reliving classic moments from the early 2000s. Be sure to check out the latest episode where Stevie and Nagin talk to an accent coach and things get a little out of hand. Go check it out now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Best Friends Back All Right to catch all new episodes. The Cricket Store just launched a bunch of new merch inspired by your favorite Cricket Media podcast, reminding you to unplug, reconnect, and get festive. Some of the new items include Nog Save America mug, 
You listen to Pod Save America. You volunteer through Vote Save America. But maybe what was needed all along to save America was some eggnog. Log Off Ornament, inspired by Offline. This ornament shows a snoozing doodle lying next to a burning log, which also has a burning smartphone on it. A true classic Christmas scene where the only screen in sight is being burnt to a crisp. Treason's Greetings Crew Neck. Tis the season from some treason. Straight from the top secret documents at Mar-a-Lago, hey Trump, to the ski slopes of this fantasy world holiday design. Every order from the Crooked Store will support Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund to make sure that every voice can be heard in the face of unprecedented voter suppression. Head to crooked.com slash store to check out the new arrivals now. I stand by this and I'm a firm believer that masterclass is truly one of the best things in the last mm, 15 years to come out of society. And I stand by that because you have people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Anna Wintour, uh, Stephen Curry, Shonda Rhimes. I personally geek out about these masterclasses, like genuinely. The scope of the amount of like amazing, iconic people that masterclass has been able to sit down with is just so special. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to have any type of course from any instructor. That's the type of platform that Masterclass has. And we are so grateful that Dare We Say is brought to you by Masterclass. And with over 180 classes from a range of world-class, class-act instructors that teach you things that you've always wanted to do, and it, honestly, it's closer than you think. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around mm, 10 minutes long. You can explore at your own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, or more. Sessions, a new product from Masterclass, allow for a deeper dive into the lessons over a month-long period. Sessions include projects to submit to a teaching assistant for feedback, as well as the opportunity to learn alongside a community of peers. Masterclass is available on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. You truly can get this everywhere. And I personally have felt like I've grown as an artist by watching this. Like, I, I was excited to hear that they would be sponsoring, dare we say. I recently was watching the Natalie Portman Masterclass, and I look up to her beyond compare because her artistry, her, her the way she approaches every character and every script is out of this world. And I think it's it's really empowering to, like, see different artists and innovators and see their process, specifically the Natalie Portman one. There's a portion, not to tell you too much, but she like walks through um, a set and talks about how she would approach that scene. And as an actress, I thought that that was just really fruitful and to have access to that all in one website, I think is really helpful. So all that goes to say, we here at Dare We Say highly recommend you to check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Yeah, you heard that right. Go to masterclass.com slash dare today. That's masterclass.com slash dare. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As the season approaches, and what season you say? The season of sadness, the season of family. Ooh, the fact that I put those two together in the same sentence, I meant, to, I meant to do that on purpose. And this is something that I'm very passionate about. And that's something that everyone should be passionate about. And that is mental health. Here we have, and we are so grateful to say, Dare We Say is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
I think during the holiday season, things can get very stressful and anxiety driven. And I know, at least for me, I need people to, um, I need to feel supported. And there's only so much my friends and family can do, but I want a professional to help me. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. Yeah, no, you're completely right. It gets real during this season. Um, I think we elevate how fun festivities are, but I think that that still comes with a lot of adversity for a lot of people. The holidays are a lot of emotions, guys. And it's important to equip yourself with the tools to help you get through it, babe, to preserve your mental health, to protect your peace. And you can do that with better help. The truth is life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. And the therapists at BetterHelp are trained to help you figure out the cause of your challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. It's the closest thing to a guided tour of this complex engine you called you that you're probably going to get. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million, not one, not two, but 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, the most important part, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. Now, no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dare. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dare. Here at Dare We Say, we know that the holiday season can be a little rough, a little tough, a little anxiety-inducing, especially if you have to share the dinner table with a racist, homophobic, and Trump-supporting uncle. (laughs) Not that I would know. So we want to share with you some tips and tricks that have helped us in the past. Here's how to not start World War III at the dinner table this holiday season. Before the holiday, post your political opinions on your Facebook and Instagram so all of your family can see. Trust me, they'd much rather cyberbully you than fight you in person. If a relative says something ignorant, offer them more food. You can't say stupid shit or speed rhetoric when your mouth's full of food. Strike first. If things look like they're going south, be prepared to drop the first bomb, but be sure to have your escape route planned ahead of time. Make a game of it. Pick a charity and donate every time one of the male members in your family says something slightly misogynistic. Unions are in this year, babe. Organize your cousins. Smile through the pain. If your family says something ignorant, just smile at them. They'll get so uncomfortable they won't know what to do. Kind of like this. (laughs) Contract a fatal and vicious disease. Then you can avoid the holiday altogether. If the opportunity comes up to have a productive educational conversation with a family member that has different political views, honestly, take it. We learn from transparent conversations. Now, if it's combative, don't do it. But if it seems peaceful and fruitful, go for it. Be willing to take that step with a family member and teach them something new. Be that change in your family. That was such an informative conversation. And I just want to shout out um, Crystal Echo Hawk again for being here. And 
just yeah. allowing us to learn a little bit more, even though it is literally not their job or any obviously group's job to educate us um, on their own oppression. A hundred percent. And then this is their land. Um, so it's important to um, pay attention and to do something about it not even just acknowledge it. Um, but I think it's important to say thanks and be grateful and thankful for the life we have and the people around us. So Josie, Alicia, I'm so fucking grateful for grateful you. Grateful for you guys too. I'm so grateful. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna eat a I'm gonna eat a shit ton. Um, love you all. I'm gonna get so full. Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. Fiona Pastana is our associate producer, and Sandy Girard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamadi. And me, Alicia Pascual Peña. Our engineer and editor is Jordan Cantor, and Brian Vasquez is our theme music composer. Our video producers are Matt DeGroote, Narm Melkonian, and Dylan Villanueva, and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good. <laughs>